Good morning, my friends. I'm so glad you could be with me today as we get into God's Word together in the Unfolding the Word ministry. As you know, we're in the midst of a study of the book of Romans. We're just in chapter 1, making some progress. I'm going to pick up our reading today in verses 16 and 17, which we've been looking at over the past two days. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Paul's been talking about the power of the gospel message. The gospel, that message of salvation that is focused around Jesus Christ, has power. It has dunamis, uh, inherent power connected to it. It has power because that gospel comes from the very Word of God. It's contained within the Word of God, the Scriptures. And the Scriptures are powerful because they are God-breathed. That is powerful and as works in the life of individuals, sharper than any two-edged sword. And Paul had confidence about that. He said, when I share a message with you, when I share the gospel, I'm not ashamed of it because I know it's powerful. It is God's word. God breathed truth and it will touch lives. The core power, the core dunamis of the gospel is that it can save people who believe. The word saved we looked at yesterday, the idea of being delivered, preserved, made whole. God says all humanity is broken. All humanity is lost. All humanity needs delivered and needs made whole. And the gospel is powerful enough to do that for those that will believe. It is powerful to touch the lives of those who will believe. Well, let's move ahead and maybe draw to a conclusion today our examination of these verses, central important verses. The central message of the gospel is summarized in verse 17. For the, in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Much more is going to be developed around verse 17 in the chapters ahead in the book of Romans. But for now, in a synopsis of sorts, God is telling us that the gospel is a message that reveals to us the righteousness of God. In what way does it do that? Well, first of all, it tells us as sinful people, fallen people, how we can find relationship with a holy God who is really there. It tells us, as a corrupted, fallen people, how we may become clean and forgiven for our sin and rebellion against the God who is really there. And ultimately, it, it's a message that tells us how we can find peace at the deepest level of our life, in our heart, with that God, that holy God, who is really there, that righteous God, who is really there. Later on in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord 
Jesus Christ. The gospel is a message that reveals to us much about the righteousness of God. Now, what is this righteousness that's being talked about here? What does it mean for me to be righteous? What does it mean for you to be righteous? Well, to righteousness is all about conformity. Perfect righteousness is to be perfectly conformed to God's standards. It means that someone is holy before a holy God. Now, why is that so important? Well, the Bible will tell us and expands for us on the fact that no one can actually dwell with God apart from being righteous, apart from being holy. No one has a future where they will be in relationship with God apart from that condition. But there's a dilemma that all humanity has. Later on in the third chapter, it's going to tell us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <laughs> there is no one who is righteous, no one in this fallen world, you or I, who can stand righteous before God based on our own life. So the core question that the gospel is the good news answer for is this. How can you and I, needing forgiveness for our unrighteousness, ever become righteous again? How can that happen? How can what is stained become unstained? How can what is marred no longer be marred? How can what is no longer whole be made whole once again? You remember all of those ideas between around that Greek word soteria, which is the translated salvation, save. How can all of that be done? How can this transition occur? The Bible explains to us that, number one, it can't be done by self-effort. There's no way, once having sinned, that you can make it as if you hadn't sinned. Once having been made unrighteous, that you can be making yourself righteous. Once you're not holy, that you can make yourself holy. The Bible says it can't be done through self-effort. It can't be done by turning over some sort of new leaf. It can't be done by some religious ceremony. No, no, those are dead ends. So the question remains, how can this change that's a necessary change to be in relationship with a holy and righteous God forever, how can that change occur once we've blown it, once we've sinned once we're no longer righteous, once we're no longer holy. How can it be done? And the answer is, if it can't be done by us, it's got to be done by someone else or there's no hope. And of course, the gospel is a good news that God has done something. He's done something to make it possible for the one who is no longer righteous, no longer holy, to find relationship with him, to be made whole once again to be made holy, and to be made righteous before him. The gospel is all about God's great answer to the impossible dilemma of sinful humanity. It's a gospel, good news, that tells us Jesus has made the difference. God sent his son into this world to live, to die, to raise again, 
so that we would have a solution to the unsolvable, the unsolvable problem of our own unrighteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 puts it this way, For our sake he made him, meaning the Lord Jesus Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see the answer emerging? He's got a lot to tell us about that answer in the chapters ahead, but he's crystallizing it now in this opening passage. The wrong approach for fallen sinful humanity, having sinned and stumbled, and all have sinned and stumbled, is to try to establish their own righteousness. Later on in Romans chapter 10, we discover that's the critique that's given of the Jews and other religious people. In verses 3 and 4, listen to this. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The wrong approach is to try to establish your own, to try to do something to make yourself righteous once again through your efforts. That's the wrong approach. The right approach is to take the offer of righteousness one through the cross that is given to those who will repent and believe. Paul talks about that offer in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9 in this way. He says, And being found in him, in Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or comes from keeping the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. The second option, the right option for sinful people, all of us, to find righteousness once again before God is to place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished on our behalf. The gospel, the good news from God, it is the power of God to bring that about to make it possible for you and possible for me. It is by faith from first to last. Notice it, from faith for faith. The gospel, the good news, is the only way that we can find life, that we can find the righteousness needed for relationship with God. It is the solution to our broken, sinful, and therefore alienated condition before God. Wonderful truth, isn't it? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. I hope you're not ashamed of the gospel this day. Well, join me tomorrow because in verse 18, the scene shifts and God begins to develop much more extendedly the reality of just our dilemma, how sinful mankind actually is and therefore how accountable mankind is before God. Join me then. God bless.